it's always a joy to uh, join our uh, good friend in Mexico, our Latin American correspondent, uh, John Bonfilio. Uh, John, a very good evening to you. Hey, Martin, welcome back. Yes, well, it's a delight to be back. Um, I notice things get no better in uh, Venezuela. And, uh, I mean, the, you've talked for weeks about the, the crisis there and the fact that people are fleeing the country. Uh, and uh, we now read that there's a million children, this is almost phenomenal, a million children uh, left behind, stranded, as um, people leave Venezuela and families are torn apart. Yeah, and as you were saying before, I think um, part of the challenge is how do you keep telling the same story? So different angles yeah. into trying to record and keep current, um, you know, the, fundamentally the, the horror of the situation that, that Venezuela is, is living. And, and also contextually, it's not always been this way. I mean, Venezuela was once the richest country in, in Latin America, much in the same way as Zimbabwe was in, in Southern Africa. So the descent has been precipitous. And, um, and as you say, one of the recent stories at the moment, which, which um, is, a, is an attempt to get a handle on what's taking place, there is a number of children who've been left behind who essentially are either living, in many cases, by themselves or with family members or with neighbours as parents have left the country to try and find a better life, to try and earn some money to to send back um, for their family to um, to live with because the only thing that buys anything in in Venezuela is hard currency, is the dollar. So, uh, And you're not going to get that in Venezuela. So the only way you're going to achieve something like that is by working abroad and then trying to repatriate that, that cash too. I also think it's a broad, I mean, not just a, a problem editorially for, for the likes of you and me and, and others in terms of how you try and you know, repackage this, this story and keep it current. But I think it's also interesting in terms of how, what the coverage of Venezuela has been over the course of the last year, year and a half, and this kind of quasi-obsession that there has been with, with Juan Guaido. And every time that anything, you know, he, he uh, gives a new press conference somewhere and the, the Western media in particular fawn all over him as though this is the beginning of the end of the of the Maduro regime without really scratching under the surface. I mean, it seems to me that the, a significant amount of the reporting that's taken place around Venezuela as well has largely focused on things which really aren't going to happen there rather than actually on the plight of the of the man on the street, which, you know, I think correctly, you always bring it back to when we speak. Mm. Well, that, that's true. I mean, the narrative presumably is that these people are leaving Venezuela, um, not permanently, but leaving Venezuela um, going where? United States? Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's varied o over time. I mean, I guess the exodus started when Chavez came to power in the, in the early mid-noughties. So at that point, it was basically, you know, the, the, the wealthy elite that were leaving because they didn't like the slant of the policy, but there wasn't anything particularly wrong with the economy at that point. So those people would have gone to Spain, to Europe, to the United States, to Canada, etc. Basically, uh, wherever, you know, wealthier countries uh, that were a flight away. And then as things began to, to, go, to go south and go, um, go wrong, then people, you know, the middle classes would leave. So your doctors, uh, your lawyers would go elsewhere, but they would go where there was a chance of them earning a decent wage in a, uh, in a profession. So then they would go to Chile, Argentina, Uruguay, Mexico, maybe some to the U.S. as well. But now certainly the exodus um, that's taking place now is very much um, a working-class exodus, people just trying to get out however they can, and those people can't afford flights anywhere. So they're just crossing the border to, to neighboring countries in some uh, east Guyana, southeast Brazil.
Mm. I mean, there's been a lot of political problems recently as well in in uh, in Colombia and Peru and Ecuador because the sheer numbers of of people that there um, that there are leaving Venezuela and going into these spaces that obviously caused a lot of civil conflict in in these areas too and that exacerbates the situation because you know the people who left 10 15 years ago could take their family with them for sure, economically the people who are leaving now can't even mm. afford to, for them to get out let alone take any you know any any but, uh, members of their family yeah, but i mean the idea is that they're they're going to earn some money and come back or you know they're not abandoning their children or are they i mean that's the idea um, but I, there's always this kind of mission creep that takes place with these things. I mean, here, I mean, obviously speaking to you from, from southern Mexico at the moment, and here there's, a, there's a, the standard narrative of people going up to the U.S. for short periods of time in inverted commas. But oftentimes you'll speak to somebody and, and say, so how long is your, you know, your partner being in, in, in the U.S.? I, the, interestingly, the euphemism here is they're on the other side. It's almost like they're dead. Uh, my partner is on the other side, uh, they often say. And um, but but oftentimes it'll be 20 years, 25 years, and sometimes they've not spoken for 10 years. So um, the, the 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 plan always initially is for them to go, make some money, and come back. But it doesn't always work out that way. Yeah, I, I mean the, the psychological effects on on kids who've been left uh, like this um, is incalculable, really. I mean, quite apart from yeah. you know the fact they're on the streets in many cases, uh, it's going to be terribly damaging, isn't it? Yeah, and 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 um, not just on the kids, but on the on the on the country as a whole. I mean, we've spoken in the past. I, I was um, there last, I think, uh, maybe a couple of months ago in in Venezuela, and what was really remarkable was how you would just have a normal conversation with with people about anything, you know, anything bog standard about how to get from A to B or whatever it might be. And obviously, those there were comp there complexities around that because nothing functions in a normal way there. But it almost immediately, any conversation would come round to an absence, to my uncle who isn't here, my sister who is in Bogota. Um, and statistically, we're now looking at, you know, one in five, one in four people in Venezuela are no longer there. So, I mean, could you, you know, when you're just having a normal conversation with, with friends and family, you imagine if a quarter of your family yeah. and friends were no longer there and the effect that that would have on, on you and the stories that you tell and the deep... Um, sadness which this causes in in a country not just in terms of you know the day-to-day -day and the difficulties in the economy etc but also the the ghosts that are present in 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 everything you do and every memory uh, that, that you have yeah uh, now, looking at uh, Brazil, obviously we know February is uh, is carnival time uh, in Brazil and uh, it's become a wee bit political this year it has. I mean, I think Carnival, um, I mean, Carnival exists right right across Latin America and various other places. Well, I mean, largely a Roman Catholic uh, tradition, which kind of um, precedes Lent. So, I mean, literally the, the Carnival comes from Carnevales, so no more meat. So it's like the last celebration, the last hedonistic celebration before you give stuff up for, for Lent. So it exists in 70-odd countries in different forms, but is, as you say, most famous really in, in Brazil and in a, in a Rio context. And I think mm. this kind of, this broad expression of life and partying and joie de vivre uh, has always had um, necessarily its kind of, its political um, slant, its political ramifications, but I think particularly because of Bolsonaro being the, the president, I mean, you know, the, whichever way you dress it up, the far-right president of, of Brazil at the moment, it's been, it, it has become, has come to be a way of 
of politically expressing a, a counterpoint. I was actually looking at some people with T-shirts in um, in Brazil today, um, which says a Ministry of Counterculture is what a lot of people are, are wearing there at the moment. And I think really Brazil at the moment is is undergoing something of a, an existential crisis. You've got the the kind of the the Bolsonaro acolytes who kind of pro-militaristic, -milit reactionary, religious, um, traditional, and then on the other hand, you've got you know the leftist, laissez-faire, free love, gender fluid. Um, Lot, which, are, which are mostly the people who are evidence, evidencing themselves on the streets as we speak, because we're right in the thick of carnival at the moment here, in, in Carnival, in Rio, Sao Paulo, Recife, um, uh, at the moment, right across Brazil. Yes, I'll tell you what's what struck me. Um, I was, uh, was in Rio probably a couple of years ago, and... Uh, what struck me about uh, about Rio and um, some of the women on the beach was it do it doesn't matter what size they were they was they would still go for it and I'm looking at these pictures of of carnival here they'd still go for it and wear a thong even though they may possibly have been you know they, they didn't mind exposing quite a lot of flesh and you can see that in these pictures of the carnival not shy. No, totally. And, and actually, I think that's one of the really refreshing things about, about Latin America is actually visions of beauty are much more varied um, here than they would be in, a, in an Anglo-Saxon mm. Western context. I mean, a lot of, um, you know, what you might euphemistically call, and I think you're referring to, just, you know, big ladies <laughs> uh, or, or bigger ladies um, uh, are, are, are regarded as being very attractive. Um, mm. There's definitely not, you know, a skinny, winsome, light thing. I mean, there is that as well, but there's a, a, a greater variety of um of visions of, of beauty here yes. and certainly the you know um it, it's not to be embarrassed about somebody who is slightly bigger um you know uh, being semi-naked in the same way as some somebody somebody likely um slightly skinnier yes no, that's absolutely true and you know and I, and I applaud them for that it's uh it's fun to watch very it's really real fun to watch um <laughs> and uh yeah but as you say it is always going to be political with a small p isn't it but maybe this year you know it's a slightly larger p if you like yeah i think people there are um just trying to find a way to uh to um, to push back and make a stance and 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 likely the um the kind of the hashtag for for carnival in in rio this year is amore resistenza which is love and resistance and that's been because often with carnival as well you've got a number of different you know whether it's floats processions parties in different places etc and often they're themed so i think in sao paulo last year there was a particular focus on um on uh african uh, on leaders, historical leaders of African descent, but this year for sure there's a there's a, a great push on on pushing back on public policy, um, and actually a lot of um, a lot of these parties and processions have actually resisted any form of local government in intervention. And Sao Paulo, in particular, the biggest city in 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 Brazil, has really gone to town in terms of retaking the streets. I mean, it's you know they're not even hiding behind it; they're saying. That, um, that the streets are not just for the government policy, either national or, or local, it's for the people to take back. And so everything that is manifesting itself in those contexts is definitely a, a pushback into uh, to what is currently being seen and spoken of. By, you know, Bolsonaro down. Indeed. Well, uh, John, thanks uh, ever so much for bringing us uh, up to date with what's going on in uh, your part of the world. Do appreciate it, and I'm sure we'll uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks a lot, John. Take care.
Andrew. Uh, John Bonfilio there joining us uh, from uh, Mexico.